Welcome to the Downhouse podcast, where you can learn more about Downhouse School. Whether you're new to the community or an old friend, we'll be delving deeper, sharing stories and finding out what it really means to be a pupil at Downhouse. In our third series, we'll be talking to our wonderful alumni. And in this episode, our host, Simon Jones, talks to Varian Palmer, nay Armstrong, class of 2002, about the importance of collaboration, one of the characteristics in our DNA. Varian, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Down in beautifully sunny Cornwall at the Headland. Beautiful day albeit rather chilling in February at the moment. But no, life is good at the moment. Excellent. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. Before we get into the heart of this podcast episode, tell us a little bit about your time at Down, when you were there or when you joined and when you left and what year you joined in as well. Oh, you're testing me now. Mm -hmm. So I joined in Removes back in 1995, I think I was. Mm -hmm. And then I went for, I was in Hill House, and then went to AGS for sort of the middle school and then into Willis and then into York for my final year and left in July 2002. Okay, excellent. So July 2002. And then where did you move on to after you left the school? So after I left school, I spent the summer working as a private chef for people. And then I went to University of Exeter to study business management with French and Spanish before I graduated from there in 2005. And then in terms of education, I'm just currently doing an MBA at the moment. Okay, right. Excellent. So private chef, tell me a little bit about that. How did you fall into that? And, and what was your experience of that like? So, I mean, whilst I was at Down, I had a lovely teacher called Mrs. Petter, who used to run all of the uh, cooking and the cookery. And she sort of took me under her wing ever so slightly. And I started doing a lot of cooking at school. I then did the Leith's course, which I loved. And when I then left school, I was employed by various European and UK families to go on holiday with them and cook for them, which was great fun. I got to travel all over Europe, living out of a suitcase and Heathrow or Gatwick Airport pretty much every other Saturday. But yeah, it was a fantastic way to explore Europe, whilst as at the time, what felt like an awful lot of money. And then tell us a little bit about where you are right now then. After I finished university, I went off and I've worked at various different five-star hotels in London, in Berkshire. And then I returned back to my family's business, a beautiful, iconic Headland Hotel and cottages down in Newquay in Cornwall. And... I rejoined the family business as a director back in November of 2020, off the back of maternity leave while starting an MBA in the midst of a pandemic, which was challenging times. And I've been then been back here now full time for just over a year. And yeah, it's it's amazing. It's great. So what is it that took you down that way? I mean, obviously, you mentioned that it's a, a family business. Of course, Cornwall is a long way from London. And you mentioned Berkshire as well, which I think was probably Clifton. Is that right? Yes, I was working at, at Clifton House in the hotel there. Um, and then <clears throat> most recently, I was working at uh, the University of Oxford. I was looking after all of the catering and the events. And it always used to make me chuckle somewhat that there were probably quite a few downhouse girls coming through the various colleges and uh, through the university departments that uh, we just never knew each other at all. OK, so now you're down in Cornwall at the family business Tell me what it was like 
moving from you know London, Berkshire, Oxford, and then being down in Cornwall. It's a very different part of the world, I imagine. Very different. But I, I'd grown up in Cornwall, so my sister, who also went Wenny, who also went to Downhouse, and my brother George, we all grew up down in Cornwall. We, all three of us went away to boarding school, and I'd always had. I think as a teenager, you completely ignore how amazing the beaches are in Cornwall. I mean, yes, they're great. And yes, it's fun to go and sit on them or go surfing, what have you. But you don't actually truly embrace how amazing Cornwall is as a place to live. And just the the sheer openness and the fresh air until you've been sat in an office or sat in work somewhere else and you sort of yearn to come back down. And having two small children, two girls, myself, Rose and Tilly, was quite a big factor in the decision to move back to Cornwall. Awesome. And I'm sure that you're very happy there as a result of it. So let's talk then a little bit about the Headland, because I imagine that it's almost impossible to to work somewhere like the Headland, which is very well known, without collaborating with local businesses. What experience have you had of doing just that? Through my career, I've been lucky enough to work for some truly inspirational people. And for one in particular, constantly would embed into me that collaboration with others helping everyone else around you to succeed is the quickest way and the nicest most enjoyable way for you to succeed yourselves and so when I came back down to Cornwall I really took charge of that remit within the local community around us so we partnered up with Dick Pierce belly boards we bought belly boards from them and we now provide these belly boards to our guests for free to try and stop people from buying the polystyrene boards that sort of break up on the beach and just get litter the coast of Cornwall after a busy summer. So with us trying to help them with their pilot scheme to get more small seaside villages and towns to stop selling the polystyrene boards and selling the wooden belly boards, we have a much bigger reach with our market, sort of our market share, our contacts. And so We've, almost, we've helped each other out. We've been able to get the message that we hold very dear to ourselves about protecting the local marine life and the local beaches but by collaborating with one of the local uh, surfboard makers, which has been really, really good for both parties. We have a number of other initiatives we do. We, we work with the Nuki Distribution Sharing Centre where they had a lot of people last summer, summer 2021, who were actually being turfed out of their accommodation they might have lived in for five, nine years for Airbnb. And so we had homeless people. We had people, we were desperately looking for staff and we had some staff accommodation. And it was fantastic that we had 11 people who were street homeless came to work for us. We provided them with a lot of additional support and we accommodated them. And we've still got nine people who were street homeless now working with us sort of eight months later, which is really, really good. So it's a collaboration within the local community that really helps everyone to succeed. Now, you mentioned local community there. Why do you feel like it's important to to collaborate with other businesses in the local area as opposed to businesses up in London or somewhere like that? Cornwall is one of the most deprived areas in Europe and certainly pockets of Cornwall are incredibly deprived. You have children who are living in absolute poverty. And as one of the bigger businesses, we very strongly feel that we have to support everyone around us and in turn they will they often support us by coming to have their cup of coffee or have come for a swim with us and if everything can be distributed a little more equally amongst 
the people in Cornwall, if we can buy Cornish to keep any money that's coming into the county, keep it within Cornwall, don't buy meat from Leeds, buy Cornish meat, because then that money then goes into the pocket of the farmer. It's, it's much, much better to try and keep the pound in Cornwall if you can. Interesting that you mentioned about meat. And I'm just thinking back to Jeremy Clarkson's farming programme, which I think a number of people listening to this right now may have may have watched. And that's kind of one of the things that he tends to promote a fair amount of is the idea of of people buying meat in their local area as opposed to you know back in back in the 90s the idea of New Zealand lamb being promoted on TV and a lot of people buying you know meat from other countries I'm presuming that you buy your meat locally in that case given that you've mentioned that as an example what other examples are there of of buying local produce so I mean, it's a little bit challenging in Cornwall because pineapples and mangoes and and fruit that everyone likes to eat, avocados, don't grow that well. So we do have to buy some fruit in from out of county, of course, though we are now just starting to look at carbon footprints and we're having a massive question mark over avocados at the moment about and passion fruit because their carbon footprint is huge for actually what they provide for us. But no, we tend to buy what we can from Cornish suppliers so our lobsters come from Newquay Harbour and things like that where and it's not for us it's not just about food if we can buy our uniforms if we can buy our wallpaper if whatever we can buy if we can buy it from a local company and keep the money in the county we really will our furniture here gets made in Cornwall we try and do everything we can to keep keep support the local economy I love it. I really, really do. Uh, it all sounds great. But let's just jump back to your time at school for a moment, because I believe that you were deputy head at AGS and that you played lacrosse for the school and you were the athletics captain as well. Tell us about the teamwork skills that you gained from your time at Down. I think what makes Down so special is that whilst from an outsider looking in, a lot of girls will look the same they there'll be a, there's a lot of perception about the type of girl that goes to down house but i think if you've been to school there you realize that actually everyone is very very different my upbringing from coming from cornwall was very different from some of my friends who grew up in central london and everyone has so many differences and i think in terms of getting people to work, to, to come together as a team the house system was so strong. And it's fascinating now, if I ever talk to any younger downhouse girls, one of the first questions would be, which, which house are you in? It's so important, that idea of the boarding house. And you're sort of, it's not so much the actual physical house, it's about the group of people you're with. And that's really crucial. And as a team, I think, well, as, sorry, as a school, the, there's a lot of work put in around getting people to do things together. So house music, house drama, house lacrosse games things like that and even now I still recall lots of lounging around on beanbags watching movies eating an inordinately large amount of popcorn that we've made in the microwave seemed to be a fairly standard weekend practice it probably is still the same nowadays I think and I think that idea that you're you're aged 11 in particular you're a, a group of girls who probably don't know anyone else all put together and you have to learn very quickly how to make friends and how to effectively become teammates in your whole year is really important. And I, I don't know if I had gone to a day school, if I would have had that same opportunity, because 
I will say downhouse, an element of sink or swim. We all tried very hard to swim. But it, it is very much the idea that you all have to come together. And, hey, try being head of athletics and getting people to run the 800 metres. No one likes doing that. And it was very tough at times to try, as, you, as I progressed through the school, to try and encourage others to get involved with sort of things I was doing or things that some of my other friends were trying to organise one of my friends, Catherine Lang, trying, when she was trying to get us all to go and do morning runs at sort of six in the morning for lacrosse practice and trying her trying to encourage us all to do things that we really didn't want to get out of bed to go running. But yeah, it was all good fun. And I think you learned how to get everyone else to try and do what you wanted them to do to a certain extent. But it's quite a good skill to learn in life. Well, let's just talk about that in that case. You know, how do you find that those skills that you learned at school do help you in life? And in particular, being where you are now in Cornwall at the hotel. I think one of the biggest skills that I picked up at from down was the ability to be able to talk to pretty much anyone, which in hospitality is a very key skill to be able to have. And that's certainly something that I picked up from school not being daunted by talking in front of, as I was this morning, I went to deliver a hospitality industry talk to 300 local school pupils aged 14 and 15, which is quite daunting when you first stand up in front of them in a massive lecture theatre. But I don't think I would have been able to do that with some of the the work I did when I was a, a, a senior at Down House, when I was in charge of various things at Down. And I think Down definitely gave me that confidence to be able to do that, to be able to understand that half the people in the room at some point will probably be trying to do what I was doing in terms of standing in front of a big group and all the teachers certainly knew what they were doing. And so you're never actually in it alone, probably unless you're a politician at the moment, that you have to stand in front of a group of people that really don't want you to stand there and talk or dislike what you're saying. No, very interesting. It's an interesting take on it. And I'd love to understand as well, I, I believe that during your time at Down, you, you took part in a cookery competition. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, this all came from Mrs. Petter, who was the, the head of cookery and food and nutrition, I think it was called back then, that very sensible title. And with Mrs. Petter encouraging me, I was entered into the Rotary Young Chef of the Year competition and went through, I think, two or three heats and the final was filmed on camera and projected next door to where she was sitting. And I was working with India Amos. She was my assistant. And yes, we won the Rotary Young Chef of the Year, which was pretty astounding. And what, what was it you needed to do as part of that competition? Oh, we had to do a whole menu preparation and cost things out. I remember going to the, to the, the cookery classroom after, sort of after school had finished at six o'clock to go and practice my dishes so that we, we would know what we were doing, practice our timings, all with huge encouragement from the school of, of, for what to do, because this was a very unusual thing. Back then, no one really entered these external competitions for things like this. So no, it was great fun. And yeah, we had a, we had a lovely time. And I think we were, we were both rather surprised that we won, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the Headland today, do you, do you ever find yourself in situations where you step in and help some of the other team players at the hotel? Well, during the last sort of 18 months during the pandemic, yes, I, I have held down the position of barista in one of our restaurants for a, for a morning service several times. And just between Christmas and New Year, when our, our entire pastry team went down with COVID, uh, yes, I stepped in as head pastry chef 
for 24 hours, which was daunting, but great fun. And I was very lucky that I had two of our students assisting me who'd done their rotations through pastry. So we we sort of knew what we were doing, but it was facing into what 120 covers for dinner, all who were probably going to have, have pudding. And you've got six puddings on the menu. Timing was everything. But hey, we cracked it. I mean, we just had to roll up our sleeves and get stuck in, really. How did you cope with that sort of pressure? Because I imagine a lot of people in that situation would kind of buckle a little bit. I'm thinking of myself partly here, maybe. But it seems like you were able to take that in your stride. I think, well, on the first hand, if if I wasn't going to do it, we'd have just been serving ice creams and sorbets (laughs) to guests who were paying a lot of money. But also... I remember I'd, I'd done my Leith, my Leith's course. I'd worked as a private chef through my school and university holidays. I hadn't really set foot in a commercial kitchen. Uh, sorry, I did, also did two summers in commercial kitchens down in Cornwall, but I hadn't really set foot in a proper kitchen for a, a good decade. But essentially, it all comes back to you. And I, I, I do believe, I think if you try very hard, generally you, you can swim, you don't sink. At least you can, yeah. Get, get, as, get ahead, as far ahead as you possibly can. But as I said, I had two very, very lovely student placements who were helping me as well. Though the three of us, just as the first check came through the printer, the till printer, and the first table had ordered their, their first pudding, the look of terror we gave each other was, I think, something to behold. The rest of the, the, rest of the chefs in the kitchen found it very funny because we were terrified about what was coming after that. Excellent. I love that. That's, that's very good. That's very good. And then I also believe you joined as a non-exec board member of the Pride of Britain Hotels Consortium. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so the Pride of Britain Hotels are a collection of about 50 of the sort of private independently owned hotels in the United Kingdom, all of which are beautiful hotels to stay at. And the current chair of the board, Sue Williams, who I've worked for previously, I, I rejoined the family business and said, oh, I've got a position and I'd quite like to have a sort of a younger female person on the board, please, because they're generally older and male. And I said, well, you know what I'm like. I, I, I don't hold back. I'm going to be sort of wanting to get things going. And she said, absolutely, that's, that's what I want you for. That's, I, we've all, we've, we need to do, get things moving a little bit. And with the new chief exec, who was also younger and female, it was a really great time to join. And I was very honoured to be asked to join the board. And so, yes, now on the, the, the board of the, the Pride of Britain Hotels and looking forward to a rather exciting future. And tell me what kind of leadership skills you feel are important to achieve any kind of successful partnership or collaboration. I think the skills of being able to reflect on your own communication and what happened in a meeting or any any conversation really is very important with that is sort of I mean emotional intelligence but the ability to be able to read other people and at the end of the at the end of the day someone a long time ago said to me that it's all just a game if you're trying to get someone else to do something they don't really want to do it's up to you to get them to want to do it you just need to work out what it is you've got to say or what it is you've got to do to get the result you want. And I think trying not to take anything too personally and that everyone makes, everyone says things, makes decisions that don't quite go how they want it to. But if you can reflect on it and think, how would I do something differently if I wanted a different result? 
quite often if it comes around again, you, you might win the next time. I love the way you said it's up to you to get the person to want to do it as opposed to it's up to you to get the person to do it. There's a big difference between those two, isn't there? I think that's that's probably indicating my style of leadership there. I'm I'm not a highly dominant leader. I want everyone to, not to like me, but to want to, to row my way, to, to set their sails on my course. And yes, I probably just revealed quite a lot <laughs> about how I like to lead people. But no, I... I I genuinely think that a lot of the time people want to follow someone. They want to believe in someone who's leading them. And if you can help people to see what you're, where you're going, what you're doing, um, you're halfway there. People will want to follow you. No, I love that. I really do. Varian, we need to bring this episode to a close in a moment. But if anyone's heard anything and wants to find out more about the Headland Hotel, how should they, how should they do that? I've actually, I've had quite a few downhouse girls who've come for work experience, either well, not at the Headland, but at the various other locations that I've been working in previously. And I'm very happy to welcome um, any work experience that uh, any of the downhouse girls would like to do, or just have a chat about hospitality or event management, or they have no idea what they want to do, but maybe hospitality might be fun. And yeah, anything else really, very happy to be contacted and probably to drop me a line on email. It's a very easy email address. It's Varian, so V-E-R-Y-A-N, at headlandhotel.co.uk awesome variant at headlandhotel.co.uk that's excellent well thank you so much for that and thank you for your time thank you for giving it up and being here today and talking to us today on the subject of collaboration thank you very much it's been lovely thank you so that's it for this episode to find out more check out the school's website downhouse.net and our next episode is coming out soon but in the meantime thank you for listening to this one don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.